welcome back. It is week 97 on Out on That Line. I'm Jeff with my co-host Alex as always. Alex, how are you doing this week? Jeff, I am the master of my own domain over here. I'm rip-roaring and ready to go. Rip-roaring is right, because I heard those rumbles you were creating just before we started recording. Oh, for sure. you got to get that <laughs> symphony of violence out of you before you try to present yourself in any kind of manner public. <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody gets that nervy tummy before any sort of, like, sporting endeavor, you know, or anything that, that you know, stage fright, anything like that can cause those bubble guts. It's true. And what did we talk about? We are 74 subscribers away from the 1,000 mark. We're getting close. Time to get nervous. Yeah, we're getting close. And then from there, who knows? Correct. My farts you know, are only going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> the more stakes we introduce, the worse it's going to get. Well, hopefully we just start farting money, if you know what I'm saying. You know? Oh, that's my dream. Just farting <laughs> gold coins. Like a Mario. <laughs> well... There was something I saw in the in the news recently about uh, about Kanye. So, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? The only thing I know is that he went on Tucker Time and he had a White Lives Matter shirt on for the interview, I believe. Uh, so I think the White Lives Matter shirt did he? I don't know if he wore that for that interview because I certainly did not watch that. Um, I knew it happened, but I think it was at Fashion Week or something that he wore that White Lives Matter shirt. He may have worn it again on Tucker Carlson, knowing the response that he got because he wore it at like fashion week or whatever show event he was at and just is has totally become and leaned into the idea that he is a total piece of shit um because he has tweeted some very anti-semitic things like very anti-semitic and also going on tucker carlson of all things like the most like dog whistleist of shows in existence these days and you know there's a lot of and i'm certainly not going to try to speak for black artists but there's a lot of them that are like basically cannot understand what he's doing you know and they're, and they're just like very hurt by the whole situation as i feel like you would be if you put in all this effort to like elevate black music and black artists and then you get somebody like kanye that just like completely undercuts the credibility of an entire genre basically well and they just better hope that beyonce doesn't come out as like an Armenian genocide denier or something oh, like God. that. Then it's a wash. It's a wash. Then yeah, it, it, who knows? I mean, look at what happened with Roger Waters. He thought that guy was the most like liberal, progressive dude ever, even though he's an asshole. And then he's like basically Russia sympathizer. Yikes. So I'm just you know I don't know. Never trust a celebrity. Trust their art. Enjoy the art, but never fucking expect them to be anything more than a piece of shit. I I like that. Trust their art. Trust their art. I hope the people at home trust our art, what we do on this show. Well, I think I think they'll definitely trust your fart. Well, I hope I can recreate a couple of those <laughs> choice toots as we go on. Oh, well, should we get to talking about what we're really here for this week, I Alex? think we should. Yeah, so this was an artist that I know you were, like, I don't know how familiar, but I, certainly a lot more familiar with than I. Um, I had listened to her when she did the collaboration called Beg For You with Charlie XCX, friend of the pod. Hi, Charlie. Um, Rina Saiwayama came out with a new album, what, like two weeks, three weeks ago, something like that, uh, yeah. middle of September, um, called Hold The Girl. And we decided we're going to do our normal, pick three songs each. Um, you made it very easy. You picked the bookend ones. Again, another week where we did three in a row each. 
When it rains, it pours, my friend. Hey, that's what Luke Combs <laughs> told me, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so um, maybe you can give a little bit more background about how we kind of ended up knowing about Rina Sawayama, because I feel like you were you get the credit of bringing this one to the pod. Uh, so her debut studio album, Sawayama, was a pandemic album for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly forget where and how I heard of it. It could have just been a case of Spotify. The album artwork came up, and I'm like, "Ah, we'll check out what this is." I like to find. I'm got a bit. Of, I got a bit of a hipster streak to me. I'll find something no. and say I was the first to do it. I'm the Magellan of this shit. <laughs> um, so truthfully, don't remember how I came across it, but I remember listening to it and being like, "Oh, this is really fun" because it was pop. But it also had like a weird infusion of alt and like new metal weirdness to it, mm-hmm. um, like very industrial, very aggressive, and I really enjoyed that. And like that infusion with like the sweet pop, mm-hmm. um, it was great workout music. I just really enjoyed it a lot. So and I've listened to it a bunch, and so then yeah, she ended up being a guest on that Charlie XCX track, "Beg mm-hmm. for You," which was like a total shock to me. I'm like. Uh, Again, as a hipster, I thought no one knew about her. This mm-hmm. has changed everything I knew about myself. No one else is supposed to know about Rena Sawayama. That's my <laughs> thing. She belongs to me. Well, maybe um, there's yeah. a lot of folks in, in Down Under that haven't heard of her either, and we're about to bring a whole new light to them. It's possible. And they may just be like, we don't give a fuck. Yeah, Talk about Jimmy Barnes. Yeah. You know who would really sing these songs better? John Farnham. John Farnham. Yeah. <laughs> so this, so I'd, I'd really only, and I love that, that beg for you song. Like I love that Charlie XCX album. I love Charlie XCX. I'm glad she's a friend of the pod again. Hi, Charlie. Yeah. What's um, up? We'll get some poke. <laughs> so we, we decided we're going to go with some song and, and I'll be honest with you. I was very excited for this album. There were some points where that was tested though. And I'll kind of explain mm-hmm. I'll, I'll kind of explain where I was going with that because how you described her first album does not sound anything like no. what I got out of this album. So I think, and you, I think you're going to be a good source for whether that's really a good thing in comparison to her first one or not. So I'm excited to see what you think about, about these songs as we go through here. Um, do you want to just get started, roll right into the first one? Yeah, let's just roll. Okay. Um, so the first one would be one of my picks here. Um, this one is called Holy, in parentheses, subtitle. Till you let me go. Um, now, this one was the first one other than... So, This Hell was another one that I was like, hey, that's a pretty good song. But the rest up until this point, until Holy, I was like, oh boy. I don't really like this album very much. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, and, and I don't mean to sound like it was just outright awful. It just was very much very bland pop music for me for the most part on the first half of this album. Um, so like minor feelings and hold the girl. I was like, just did not get anything out of them. This hell. I was like, my ears perked up that one immediately. I was like, okay, mark this one down. This could be a possibility. Didn't end up picking it because a couple more overtook it as I went on. Um, but catch me in the air and forgiveness. Bleh. Yeah. Holy till you let me go. That was the first one where I was like, Hey, now we got something. We got a little something here. Because I think this was more, it sounded more like a Charlie XCX song. I think there was a few of these where it sounded like it could have either been on Charlie XCX or the Dua Lipa album. You know, it was just like that good, pure pop music. And while it wasn't groundbreaking, it was very enjoyable to listen to. So that that's kind of the songs that I picked 
that's most of the reason why I picked them is because they fit that, like, you know, it's just a very basic bitch sometimes, you know? Sure. It just fits that, tickles the right bone, that you just have a good time listening to it. And so that's why I picked Holy. The lyrics are pretty good, and she's a great singer, too. I think that's one thing we need yes. to make sure we mention is that she does have a very good, powerful voice. Like, when, when there's a lot of production, her voice can still soar above it. You know, and I think there's a lot of people where that falls short, where they don't quite have the pipes to do that. She does, for sure. I'm excited to see when she maybe gets to work with some other kind of producers, maybe, that might send her in a different direction than she did on this album, because I think there's a ton, ton of potential there that I just didn't really think was met on this album. There were some good, bright spots, but other than that, for me, it didn't really pop too much. She took this in a weird direction, and... Um... I'll be totally frank, an unsatisfying one for someone mm. who was familiar with Sawayama and really only that album, but that was enough to really kind of get me fluffy to listen to this one. And I'm the opposite of you where when I heard Minor Feelings, I was excited mm. because I remember I was lying in bed and I put it in and I'm like, I should start this album. And then I heard Minor Feelings. And I was like, oh, it's very stripped back. And it almost felt like a prologue to what I thought was going to be like a big kind of emotional operatic album. I thought she was going to move away from the new metal and move away from the pop Mm -hmm. and kind of do like this big kind of Wagnerian ballad collection. Mm -hmm. So that got me excited. And then as it went pretty immediately, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Dreams dashed. Um, And I, I... We'll preface all of this with I can respect what she's trying to do, which is reparent her inner child, right? Mm -hmm. She's overcoming some traumas from her past, and she's trying to fix some of the obstacles that have stood in her way throughout her life. Taking accountability for these things through Mm -hmm. therapy. Uh, take the point absolutely um member of the she her music is implicitly and explicitly lgbt Mm -hmm. so she's working through a lot of that stuff and having gone to a religious school take the point there all of it but it's about rediscovering her inner child and like reparenting her inner child but that doesn't mean that the album had to be so like childish and on the Mm -hmm. nose and like it just felt like a like the, if the standard is Olivia Rodrigo at 17 writing sour, mm-hmm. this felt like a 13, 14 year old girl in a lot of places. Yeah. I know that's fucking harsh, but it's the truth. I can't tiptoe around it. It's kind of how it came across. Yeah. And I think, you know, honestly, I think credit to, to Rena that there was a lot of things that I could compare. Like I heard a lot of influences or, or things that I could compare to. Um, you know, what I heard a lot was there a lot of Mitski, you know, like a lot of things in common with kind of that very indie sound, especially the first part of this album. Um, you know, I heard unfortunately some Taylor Swift and like Lana Del Rey in there as well. Now, while it's good that the music can sound like something that's been very, very popular, it didn't feel new. And I think that was the biggest issue that I had with this. It sounded like stuff that I'd heard before. You know, like the Charlie XCX album was fantastic for me. And I felt like there were some songs that sounded like that on this album, but not as good. You know, and I think that was where it kind of fell short for me is like it had so much potential to be something really great that hopefully the next album she's able to, I feel like 
put more of herself in it. Because from what you described about her first album, it sounds weird. Those influences all coming together. And I think I'd prefer that. Uh, absolutely. And as someone who is familiar with the album Sawayama, it it's absolutely preferable because like I fucking hate Limp Bizkit. But imagine now, now. like Lady Gag Lady I almost said Lady Gag Gag. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really horrible story. Um I was in a Spencer's one time and they had celebrity <laughs> blow up dolls. And one of them was a Lady Gaga knockoff that said Lady Gag Gag. She loves it when you <laughs> poke her face. <laughs> and I remember t- being like, I don't think I can go to Spencer's anymore after this. <laughs> I think I have to leave now. It's just, it, I mean, it's disrespectful, first of all, but it's, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Anyway, that was a little side quest for us. Um, <laughs> and, and because like Gaga is probably the biggest thing I hear on this. Gaga, mm-hmm. um, Pink. Yeah. Well, especially um, on the songs that you picked. For yes. sure on the songs you picked. Because what's that Lady Gaga song, uh, Give Me Just One More Reason to Stay, or whatever the fuck is the... I don't know what the actual title of the song is. That's not, I thought I think that's a Tracy Chapman song. No, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Fast Car. Um, I don't remember the name of it. Whatever. It's a Lady Gaga ballad. Yeah. So uh, there were a lot of times where I heard that same kind of approach from Rina Sawayama. But in terms of this song that we're talking about, Holy Till You... What is it? Holy Till You Call My Name? Holy till you let me go. Hold me till you let me go. Yeah, that's how much of an impression this made. Um, <laughs> it's pretty down the middle, trance, dance, yep. kind of like sometimes you got to beat the beat up stuff. Yeah, that's that was all the enjoyment that I got out of it. I was like, okay, this sounds like something that I listened that I would hear in the car on the way to a soccer game in high yeah, school. Yeah, just lost, lost in the sauce with all the production elements. Mm-hmm. Like that was a big problem on this one, and we'll keep going back to it. The mixing on this album is some of the worst mixing I've heard on an album in a really long time. Mm-hmm. It just, there's no dimension to it. And it's like, like you said, she's got this great voice. I don't think it, it cut through in a lot of crucial areas. It's like they, the producers were trying to smother her voice. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. And this was just one of those songs where it was just like production elements on top of each other and just like boring, boring and- soup. Like the fact that they could not figure out how to get her voice to like shine as much as it really should. Um, Cause I, you know, another influence that I heard a lot here, and this is going to be a huge compliment to Rena Sawayama, but is Leona Lewis. Um, you know, just the way that the melodies go and the way that she, you know, it seems, it sounds like very much like they're in the same kind of register as far as like the tone that they sing in. Um, and there was a lot of that, but again, like just not as good as what it sounded like, you know? So it just, it kept kind of falling just short every time, which as those built up, it just added more and more to the disappointment where overall, like, I think the album is basically like just down the middle. Like it's not bad, but it's not good either. But I think the more that you expect, the worse it gets. The bad parts were bad. Yeah. And the good parts were too few and far between for this little listener. Mm-hmm. And so, so we'll move on to my next pick is called Your Age. And it's talking about, you know, when she gets to your age or now that I'm your age, she can understand things more, you know, has a better perspective. Um, other than that, I like the melody on this song. You know, I kind of I liked the way that the song structure was. And that's, again, this one and the last pick that I had. That's the reason I like them so much. And I think when we get to my next pick, I don't, do you have much to say about your age? 
I just really wanted to give the melody a shout out real here. Uh, the melody was really good. It was strong, and the harmonies were strong. Mm-hmm. Um, built up a lot of goodwill. There was one thing with your age that I noticed that was indicative of a lot of songs on this album is some of them started out and you're like, oh, fuck. But through repetition and a gradual building, it, they kind of grew on you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't actively like it, but you didn't actively hate it anymore. Yeah. There was kind of a slow growth with some of these. Um and your age kind of had that going on, but what kills it is the fucking new metal spoken rap passages, mm-hmm. where you're rhyming lines like jail personified with social suicide. That's the 13, 14 year old girl <laughs> shit I'm talking about, where it's like, this is a 32 year old woman, and I have heard her do some like deeply cerebral stuff and some off the wall shit in Sawayama. Mm-hmm. And now you're doing this like live journal shit? I don't think so. Yeah, it just, it, it makes me wonder what happened. And it's like, I I would love to give her credit for, like, this being an intentional thing because it's a song about, like, a, an inappropriate but not illegal age gap relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, what we did wasn't technically illegal, but it sure as hell was unethical. And now that I'm the age you were when you perpetrated this, yeah. you see how fucked up this was. Um, thanks a lot. Um, and it's like, okay, that's juicy material for a song, but mm-hmm. it's it's pulled off in this like kind of half-hearted, like Chester Bennington wannabe kind of thing. And I'm not yeah. taking the piss out of Chester Bennington. I'm just saying, like, it's the thing you keep going to. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the thing. It sounds like just not as good. Yep. You know. And it, and it's for me. I think these lyrics would have been a lot better on the production style of the first couple songs in the album, more of that kind of like acoustic, just simple kind of pop song, you know, cause I think these are probably like, you know, the most interest, some of the most interesting lyrics as far like the bridge was pretty good. We all have a monster inside of us, but we have a choice we get to decide, but you, you fucked with my life, you know? And I think that's, that's like a cool, like to the point, you know, that's a good statement, but it just like, there were so many things that everything was like almost there. It was like needed a couple, maybe little tweaks, and it would have been very good. Yeah, I don't know if there was greatness in this album. I don't know where she would have pulled that out of on this one. I don't think it's there. But I think there could have been some choices that were a little different that probably weren't that tough to make, and they just chose wrong consistently on those. Like the production choices, there was a couple really bright moments on that. But just overall, it was kind of disappointing. I expected a lot from her. So did I. I. I had major expectations as a fan going in. Not a diehard stan or anything like that, but a fan. Sawayama is an album I have listened to many times now yeah. um, and highly recommend. So, yeah, it, I, I was very disappointed. Um, and, and I like I know that a live band is not a panacea. It's not going to work for everybody, but maybe someone could try pop with a live band. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Charlie XCX would be good at that. I think Olivia Rodrigo would crush that. Mm-hmm. Billie Eilish would crush that. And like that feels like, again, minor feelings at the top of the album made me feel like we might be getting that. Like not orchestral pop in the sense that it sounds like a guy in tuxedo conducting it, but like live band pop. I, I mm-hmm. kind of got my hopes up for it and couldn't stop thinking about it as the album went on. And maybe that's unfair to compare it to something it wasn't and was never going to be. I just wanted. But that was what was in my head because yeah. I think she's capable of something cool like that. So then you like 
get this your age thing, and I'm just sitting there like, man, where did I go wrong? Mm-hmm. Did she did she have another album between Sawayama and this one? No. Nope. This okay. is her second studio album. And it's so, like, you know, we just got a little sophomore slump here. That's the thing, is it's her sophomore album and it was quite sophomoric. Yes. It, it <laughs> certainly Yeah, it's her, I I don't know. I just feel like if you if you really want a great I feel like we're giving like final thoughts here. It sounds like it, but we've got a few more songs to get oh, through. We got a ways to go. Yeah, we got a ways to go here, but it's just like, I don't know. I'd rather listen to Future Nostalgia. I'd rather listen to Charlie XCX, like really any Charlie XCX album, to be honest yeah. with you at this point. Um, but it's just like this was just so close in a lot of ways and just never quite got there. So my last pick is Frankenstein. Now, this was, I think, the one song that I actively liked because it's just like so stupid. It's a novelty. So it, you can't possibly take it seriously. So you have to enjoy it enjoy it just at like face value um we completely agree on that because i had the same reaction it is pure cheese Mm -hmm. but you can love it on that level you really can't hate it for not it's not trying to be anything more than a gimmick i'll go so far as to call it actively bad Mm -hmm. but i don't say that as a knock against it because it's so bad and so cheesy mm-hmm. that you kind of are like, wow, well, that you're, you're wearing that on your sleeve. You're so proud of that. You set out what you accomplished to do. I have to respect that. And I'm going to just have a good time like you mm-hmm. hoped I would. Yes. And it brought out like all the all the like middle school and high school dance vibes to me. Oh, yeah. Like it just sounded it, it just could have fit right in there. I mean, in the. <laughs> the chorus i'm just gonna read it because i think everybody needs to know put me together one more time love me forever fix me right i can be your frankenstein frankenstein and it's just such a big time chorus like she's taking it so seriously and that's what makes it so enjoyable it uh it reminded me a lot of one of my all-time favorite worst songs ever uh, Grandpa's Spooky Halloween Party from the Miley Cyrus album, Plastic oh, Hearts, God. that she did with Billy Idol. <laughs> Sometimes Grandpa's... my thoughts are violent. <laughs> what was that called? Like Night Crawling. Night Crawling. I was going to say like Midnight Mung Bustin' or something. I couldn't remember. You know. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking the dark <laughs> aster. I don't know. <laughs> Grandpa's Spooky Halloween Party. Because it does. It seems kind of like David S. Pumpkin's The Song. You know? Yeah. Um, and I, I get those cringe vibes from Frankenstein, but I'm like, hey, the Monster Mash is cringy, and it's Halloween. Exactly. So yeah. I'll take a stupid, cringy Frankenstein song right now. Why not? A little something new. Yeah, sometimes those little novelty songs just, just hit right. You know, and I think I think if you try to take this one too seriously, you're going to disappoint yourself very have much. have a bad time. <laughs> have a really bad time. Well, what do you say we get into... Your picks. So your first one is probably, I would say, the most serious song, the most serious subject matter anyway, I think, um, called Send My Love to John. I think this is far and away the legitimate standout, like unironic standout on the mm-hmm. album for me. And this is more of the direction that I was hoping she would take this. Yes. Because I think a lot of the other songs, because they were so gimmicky, a lot of the subject matter got lost. And there's, again, a lot of this like implicit and explicit 
LGBT, like queer themes in this music and mm-hmm. stuff she's trying to work through. And it gets lost by, you know, spooky spirit of Halloween party. <laughs> and she just went extremely basic on this one. It's a dusky, stripped back ballad. It's weirdly mm-hmm. placed on the album, but it's this like very restrained ballad. And, and it's through that restraint and that simplicity it becomes a forum for her voice and a focus on the sentiment because you're not throwing all this bad mixing and shitty production on top Mm -hmm. of it. Just letting the idea breathe. And it's a, it's an excellent story. It's a Mm -hmm. religious immigrant parent who came to this country to get away from their parent, their own parent strictures and in raising their child who turned out to be gay they couldn't understand it, and they were like, I prayed you'd meet a girl. It was like some really hard, emotional mm-hmm. shit. I'm not afraid to say. I got a little choked up listening mm-hmm. to this. It was very affecting, and it's got a happy ending in the sense that it's like this immigrant mom realizes, like, you kind of pushed your kid out of your life and, like, hoped God would help him when really all he needed was you. Mm-hmm. But now this parent has kind of turned a corner and is like, you know, talking to her son, send my love to John, send my mm-hmm. love to your lover, acknowledging that. Yeah. And I think that's really super fucking cool. She said mm-hmm. a lot on this song without having to put a hat on a hat. Yeah. And this is, I think, this album, I think, would almost be better without this song on it because having this song on it makes you realize kind of how bad the rest of it is. What a tease, right? Yeah. It's just, it's like you see what she can do. And hopefully, this is what she takes and like runs with because I think this is her sweet spot. Is I think making songs like the next two picks that you have with how her voice just can pop and use this kind of depth of songwriting you know use these sorts of things and and i think you're going to connect a lot more with people you're going to separate yourself from the gaggle of pop music that's going on right now i mean there's like with the advent of being able to have like home studios basically was a great thing because we're able to discover a lot more talents that maybe never had a shot otherwise but it also means that you have a lot more to wade through you know the water's not as there might be just as much water it's just shallower now not as deep, you know, so I think that's I think when you have songs like this, you can use this sort of thing to separate yourself to make people realize that not only do you have the like actual like just basic singing talent, like, you know, you can you can hold a melody, you can hold a tune, you can do all those things that just physically are, are possible for you to do this. But you also have those intangibles that separate, you know, because a lot of people have those skills, the intangibles are what separate like the ability to connect emotionally with your audience and i think this song does that really well if this if this had been more of the album i think we're having a totally different conversation here i i I think so too again this like idea of like this invention in my head of orchestral pop like this is the kind of song Mm -hmm. i thought we'd get i thought we'd get more of this ballad based bad out of hell one kind of stuff out of her um like I guess the best example I can think of is a song, and to non-Meatloaf fans, this won't mean anything, but For Crying Out Loud. Oh, beauty. Which starts off so tender, and then in the mm-hmm. end, we've got that big orchestra, and he's just screaming to the heavens. Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to get that kind of stuff. So even though that type of instrumentation doesn't factor in here at all, because it's just an acoustic ballad, um, it's got that kind of spirit that I was looking for. Getting fucking real and honest about some of the issues she's facing 
uh, putting them in the form of a very relatable story that's emotionally gripping. It plays to her strength. She's a great storyteller, a pretty decent lyricist, and mm-hmm. a killer voice, and and has an emotional connection to the work. And all of that goes into the fucking shitter in the next song that I picked, Phantom. <laughs> it's the entire goddamn thesis of the album. Yep. Which is like the the my inner child is a little ghost hiding under the floorboards and I just want to bring her out and tell her it's okay. And she is loved and fix all of these things that went fucking tits up in my adult life. It's pretty on the nose, but whatever. It's very personal subject matter. But then the fucking mix, her voice gets swallowed up in a sound that Mm -hmm. is simultaneously muddy, but mud at least has a texture and dimension, but it's, somehow also like flatter than a plate of piss mm-hmm. like everything including the guitar work and the guitar solo pretty good sticks out like a sore fucking thumb when it's time for the solo mm-hmm. and then gets completely buried and clashes with everything like nothing can ever something always has to be dominant if she's singing we'll crank her up way too fucking high there's no dynamics she's singing at a flat line mm-hmm. ah, full out the entire time and when she's when we need the guitar to come up, we'll bring the guitar up. And when we don't really need neither, any of those things, it's just one giant piss pot. Mm-hmm. Really fucking aggravated me. This so the first part of this song, like that kind of melody that they use, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and then you hear the lyrics, and it's like stickers and scented gel pens give possessions get friends you know so it's like trying to paint this picture of like you're in school, you're trying to become part of the popular crew, get friends, all the kind of stuff. But again, like you're exactly right. What you're supposed to be paying attention to gets buried. You know, what is supposed to give like value and meaning to the song is buried. They focus on having the instrumentation be the star of the show. And it's like, well, you should let her voice again. Like the whole thing should wrap around her voice. Like whatever she's singing, like make her voice the prime subject because it's the best thing that's going on the album. Like it's by far, it's the only thing that really works consistently the whole time. And this song was just, when you picked it, I was like, I wonder if he actually likes this one or if he picked this one just because it was an example of how bad things got. I picked this one to make an example of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The thing is that I have to keep in mind, too, is like, you can be like, what happened? How is this this bad? And it's important for me to remember that she's meticulous. I saw it on Sawayama. And when someone has a breakthrough success like that, you know, take away their tools mm-hmm. you empower them to make something on par with that maybe a little more mainstream maybe a little more pop forward fair enough trying to break out into the mainstream consciousness fair enough but like i guess sometimes i get locked into this thinking like oh the producers got their smudgy fingerprints on this and ruined mm-hmm. it she had to hear it she had to approve it mm-hmm. and the song as written she had to ask for these things this is what she wanted and i have to remember that like I can't be like, oh my god, she's a victim of, again, these empty suits. Like, Mm -hmm. she wanted this. And that's really fucking disappointing because the attention to detail on Sawayama was so strong. I had so much fun every time I listened to that album. To hear this, I'm like, really, dude? For real? Yeah. Yeah. And, And especially after, I mean, just, I had so much fun listening to Beg For You. That song, you know, with with yeah. Charlie XCX. Hi, Charlie. Um, and it's so it was so uh, such a bummer 
to like get to this album thinking I was going to get a lot more of that. And I guess the songs that you picked here, especially this next, the last, do we just want to get to the last one? Yeah, just go into it. Put the, put a bow on this baby. So the last one you picked is called to be alive and it is the last song on the album. Yes. Um, listen again, this is the song right at the end that does what it should and brings it all back around. If Phantom was her kind of making that breakthrough to her inner child, then to be alive is, you know, past and present Rina Sawayama become one. They're both healed. Now I finally realize what it is to be alive. That's great. That's very triumphant. I'm happy she did that and had that moment. Clearly she's happy as well. But once again, the fucking production problems come in and bury all the cool shit making this song sound like a bunch of other fucking songs on the album, mm-hmm. which weren't that good. If they all sounded like Send My Love to John, you know, the homogenous nature of it, we have to have a debate about that, right? Mm-hmm. But when this song, the last song, sounds like five other completely fucking unremarkable songs on this album, it's it's a, it's a shitty way. Your audience mm-hmm. and screenwriting, if your movie sucks... They'll forgive you for everything if the last 10 minutes sing. Mm -hmm. And this was just a a whiff right at the end because, like, it could have been a huge power ballad. Like, you you start to hear it. Like, you just kind of, like, hear her one light on her on the empty stage. Mm -hmm. And she sings, like, completely unaccompanied to start. And then it just builds. And maybe there's a fucking choir. And, you know, like, I just see this whole, like, what this could have been. And instead, you just glop a bunch of this production bullshit and fuck this song into the dirt with the after effects it drives me nuts i think the lyrics also fuck this song into the dirt my friend help they (laughs) don't help i'm just gonna read i'm just for the people i'm just gonna read the first verse how we start this song flowers still look pretty when they're dying blue sky is always there behind the rain oceans swallow all of our feelings i know it's just temporary pain and i'm like that i don't know the lyrics uh, this if there if it could be worse than frankenstein lyrically this one's this one's a challenger yeah i mean it's more fucking live journal lisa frank yeah bullshit like again the 13 year old girl stuff and i'm like again if that was the point was to kind of speak from that perspective because that's the person you're trying to heal, right? Then that's a good touch. Mm -hmm. The problem is it's the satire rule. If you don't make it distinct enough, then we're just going to assume it's more of the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to assume a child wrote this if you make it too childish. Like, there is a deft touch. You can reach into the emotions of a child without being infantilizing about it lyrically. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, again live journal bullshit lyrics like this is my expression i i hate to be fucking mean because it's an album that is full of big ideas and very worthwhile notions and reclamation and healing and that's awesome but it is so extremely flawed in the execution that it's hard not to like kind of get a little upset as a consumer yeah and this i mean this i don't i don't feel the same level of you know kind of hatred for this one as i do for like any taylor swift we've ever done right or you know a nice throwback the 1975 i mean that album was a a trash heap um this one it's like i know that she's good you know she's done you know she's done something i like in the past and there are some like little bright moments on this album but overall 
there was Send My Love to John was the standout, just actual like good song on the album. And there was Frankenstein, which was just the bop that I had the most fun listening to. And that was it. So I think other than those two songs, I'm going to say skip it. It it hurts my heart because she's extremely talented. She doesn't have to get weird or conceptual if she doesn't want to. The quality, it's got to be quality on her end. Mm-hmm. Like the quality has to be there. So if any like Rina Sawayama fans are out there and you're rabid and you're hearing this and you're sharpening your pitchforks, just know I love her. And Sawayama is a great album and I acknowledge her talent and I'm just super bummed out about this one because it felt like she compromised her specialness in a moment where she really needed to come through strong in whatever direction she was going to go because, Mm -hmm. again, this is important subject matter. I do not mock any of it. I wanted to hear it all and hear it clearly and enjoy it. I was looking forward to Rina Sawayama getting real personal, but it is buried under very underwhelming musical choices and fucking actively bad mixing and production. And you can put that on the people that did it. You can put a little on Rina Sawayama for approving it. it. You know, worst case scenario, it was the 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 label took it away from her and said, ah, we're going to fix it up and polish it. It sounds so much better. Like when Phil Spector fucked up the long and winding road, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? I don't know what the actual story is. I just, the only thing I know is the way that I feel. And as much as I hate to say it, you got to skip this one. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, and I haven't listened to Sawayama, but just hearing what you say about it, that's the one you should go listen to. If you want to get a feel for Rina Sawayama in a way that you may enjoy, actually enjoy, you know, go ahead and listen to her first album and skip this one. So we don't give out a lot of skip it's folks. We really don't. And it's, it was disappointing. Let's do a little, a little housekeeping to end up here. So I know we mentioned that we've only got a little bit to go before we hit that all important thousand subscribers. So if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube page, you're going to find all of our podcast episodes over there. You're going to find so much content that I don't think you could possibly watch it. I think in a week, I think if you watched it all the way straight, cause you have all of our podcast episodes, this being number 97, in addition to several other spinoff podcast episodes that are just as long so we probably have like 110 or so total like full-length podcasts plus reaction videos a bunch of those singles videos that we used to do way back in the day there's a lot there so go check it out let us know what you want to hear on there alex is there anything exciting coming up on there that you know of guys there are literally hundreds of videos on the YouTube channel. I'm not jo- I'm not joking. There's 205 videos on there. Mm-hmm. There is enough to keep you busy for the next year. If you dedicate yourself to the show, and you should, because we have lots of fun stuff coming down the pike. We continue our exploration of Aussie music. Mm-hmm. We have some fun little side quests coming out. Another episode of On the Record. And I'm really digging deep into my bag of editing tricks on this one because it's near and dear to my heart. Friend of the show, Tanner, and I sat down to talk about getting him in the show. Frank Zappa, the video's coming. That's all you need to know is we have a lot of cool stuff coming down the pike. We're, we're getting real fancy with our editing. We're being exposed to a lot of new stuff. It's great. Mm-hmm. We love being exposed to. And you would love to be exposed 
to what we've got going on on the YouTube over there. It is youtube.com forward slash C forward slash out on that line. Again, folks, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash out on that line. Oh, that was beautiful. And without further ado, until next time.